From News Chopper 11, hovering just outside the Crab Nebula, it's Nerd News from Asteroid G. You're listening to Not So Light from Asteroid G. I'm Mike Finkelstein. With me, as always, is... Josh Schaefer. And Bex. And today we're going to be discussing nerd news. We have a few different things to focus on, although a lot of it looks like it's going to be all related to Disney and all the properties they own. But, you know, news is news and we discuss what we get to discuss. So, it's been a little while since we did some nerd news. And, of course, the big topic of the day at the time, uh, that's now suddenly resolved itself since I wrote up these talking points, was that the Scarlett Johansson was suing Disney over the money she was making for Black Widow because of the staggered release that Disney did. Uh, and she said she lost $50 million uh, because of the way that, it, you know, the box office money that she was going to get based on her, her part of it. And then I guess they resolved it and behind the scenes she got paid like $40 million for that. So almost as much as she said she was owed. I guess that's nice. So what are our thoughts on the matter? I don't know. I feel like it was kind of shady of Disney, but because, you know, 50 million seems a lot to us, but to Disney, who's, you know, multi billion dollar, almost trillion dollar level company, like, I don't know why they were being so stingy with the pay when it was like, I didn't like read her contract, but I kind of like skimmed what the news was saying. Mm -hmm. So I guess it's the same, right? Yeah. Yeah, but, to, to Disney, $50 million is like Jeff Bezos deciding to use like money to start his fireplace. I feel like yeah. if this was Robert Downey Jr. saying the same thing, it probably wouldn't have even made the news. So, I don't know. Oh, maybe. Yeah, I, I get the feeling that, um, you know, this might have been a case of where Disney was trying to, you know, get away with being stingy. And, you know, got caught and then figured, oh, well, I'll throw money at it to make the problem go away. Yeah. And, I, yeah. I feel like they're part of it's Disney. I like everyone likes the movies that Disney is producing, but everyone knows that the mouse house is just loaded with cash. So when Disney is like, we don't want to give you $50 million, it's harder to like, feel for what Disney is saying than, like, if we were talking, I don't know, Orion Pictures or some studio canal or something, some independent studio that, you know, their margins are thin and $50 is a lot to them and a case could be made that haggling over it like that would be difficult for them to do. At the same time, and that's not, this isn't defending Disney at all. Disney should have just paid. Um, like, in the case of Robert Downey Jr. making a claim about this, that man makes all the money in the world and can negotiate for, like, big contracts for, the, for however many movies he makes next. Women in the industry have problems with their contract negotiations already, and an issue like this would drop how much money Scarlett Johansson can negotiate in for the future, because, Josh, I mean, you and I both know what the way Hollywood contracts are. Yeah. Whatever you make on your previous films gets to st- start the basis for what you make on your next one. Yep. So, her not getting paid her $50 million or whatever really hurts her on her next one because she can't argue for that $50 million on top of whatever else she was making. So, like, I'm totally on the side of Scarlett Johansson, even if it does feel weird for us to argue about rich people making more money, you know? 
Yeah, that's true. But if it, it, it's more the like, like, are you in favor of the more rich or just the plain rich? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, even at fifty million, Scarlett Johansson is not like that. That extra on top of whatever she makes regularly, she's not in the upper one percent. She's not Jeff Bezos' money right now. So, on to on to other things MCU related. With the success of Shang-Chi, is that how it's pronounced? I've never actually heard it pronounced. Shang-Chi. Okay, yeah, see, I haven't watched the movie yet because it's not on Disney+. Plus. Um, and I'm not going hey. to theaters yet. No. Uh, and I know you're cr- cr- criminally behind on all of it, so you're not going to be watching it anytime soon. I'll probably watch that one. It's really? fine. Like, it's I, I actually want to watch that one. Cool. Well, we'll discuss that one yeah. when we actually watch it. Uh, but with the success yeah. of that one, the success previously of Black uh, Panther... The success of What If, Disney is apparently looking at launching a bunch of new shows for their uh, Disney Plus network, like a Ten Rings spinoff and potentially a uh, Black Panther version Star-Lord of the, uh, what's his name? T'Challa. T'Challa? Like yeah, T'Challa. T'Challa. Yeah. Thank you. I don't know. I can't remember how to pronounce that one. <laughs> no, yeah. I'm like, oh my god. Ugh, comic books. Um, T'Challa. So, like, they want to do a Star-Lord T'Challa spinoff, or at least they did before the actor that played him died. Um, I mean, they could recast his voice, but would that be weird? Like, any weirder since they already brought him in? But, like, I like the MCU... I'll watch plenty of the MCU. I'm happy to have a reason to continue using my Disney Plus account. But with Disney continuing to put out, at least on their plan, three new MCU movies a year, uh, with, like, you know, Blade and other ones coming into that as well. And now, what, like, eight TV shows a year? Are we starting to hit peak MCU saturation? Is this too much now? I felt like we've been at too much a couple years back. So, <laughs> well, and I guess I, a lot of it is when it was just the movies and it was three a year. I mean, it was easy to space those out, and it was effort to keep up with it, but not huge effort if you liked going to the theater. Uh, but it was building to something. It was building to the end game, all the Avengers crap that was going on with that. Half of these TV shows don't feel like they're building to a lot. It's just like stories of the multiverse or let's find out how sam decides to get the shield from captain america even though he got the shield from captain america like how much is just world building and stuff you don't have to care about and how much is actually going to apply to something because if not all of it applies to what's coming up for like the quote-unquote next end game why should we even care no yeah that's exactly kind of where i'm at too Mm -hmm. because i just I don't know, all the movies seem like the same formula with just different, mm-hmm. like, a rotating cast of characters, and I mean, yep. it's good on Marvel to, that they're making money, and I guess Disney too, but I don't know, I just feel like I wish they kind of took the Star Wars approach where you have, like, a couple of different things from different eras, and you know, it's a and little a bit... long break. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I'm curious, Bex, what you think in a second, but I mean, I am reaching the point where I'm wondering... Would we be better off at some point if the MCU just took another couple of years off? Yeah. Yeah. We would. <laughs> it, it's it, it's like you, you can't really 
take a breath between things now. It's just constant consuming. It's it's a gluttony of media is basically what it is. And I find I sound like such a fucking yuppie hipster saying that, but um I it's it's like okay, I just want a few things here and there sprinkled so I have time to enjoy it and actually like savor it maybe watch it a few more times without having to be caught behind like five other movies that were released like just i, I just want some more spider-man that that's all i want yeah it's uh, man like gluttony of media is like the perfect way to say <laughs> that i think like i'm it oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> It's just so exhausting because, you know, I'm not trying to do like the, oh, woe is me, I have two kids, blah, 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 blah. But when I do watch stuff that's not, you know, Elsa and Anna's latest adventure or whatever, you know, it's, I have to, you know, carefully pick what I watch and Marvel is just automatically usually on the no list because there's so much I have to catch up on. (laughs) So, because you're talking like a good, like, probably... I'm trying to think, like, maybe six, seven hundred hours worth of content I have to watch just to catch up to the point where, you you know, everyone else is right now. I mean, after you you more or less stopped at Endgame, so there's been four movies plus three TV shows counting, no, four TV shows counting What If and Loki. Um, and most of those TV shows are designed to be six hours a pop, but that's, you know, 24 hours plus the th- Four movies, which is what another six hours on top of that, thirty hours for you to catch up at this point. Yeah, yeah it's exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but if you do want to stack all of that on your full time job, um, so <laughs> Shang Chi and Venom have both come out and did buffo box office. In fact, I believe Venom beat you know the new one. Let there be carnage has beaten Shang-Chi. And actually, I've, before we get to my real point with that for a second, I think it's interesting that Venom actually beat Shang-Chi, uh, and Me that too. might just speak to the uh, Marvel malaise, because up until the end credit sequence for that movie, uh, that movie was largely disconnected from Marvel, and I think people want their superheroes, but maybe they're getting a little tired of having them all in the same interconnected story. Yeah. Just like... Like, to to a previous point, and I forget which one of you made it, was, like, doing it like Star Wars. Make them, you know, mm-hmm. fucking separate. They don't yeah. have to always be connected. Even though Star Wars still kind of sort of connects things, but I as, mean, as long as it's, like, only in the, in the thinnest of senses. Yeah, it's like, you're gonna have common themes between, like, the Old Republic and the High Republic and the current, whatever they're fucking calling it, uh, Destroyed <laughs> Republic, whatever. Um... <laughs> So you're still going to have your laser swords and your space wizards and your big, floaty uh, death spheres. But um, that's pretty much Star Wars right there. I've just described the whole series. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, they're not. They're, their plots are not interconnected. Like, once you go back to the Old Republic, no one gives a shit about a Skywalker because they've never heard that name before. So, yeah, like, you could stack... Like, if Disney wanted to stagger a different realm each year, then... Like, you wouldn't feel the same kind of malaise over it that you're feeling right now with the MCU, where everything is so tightly connected. Right. Yeah. But anyway, my real point I was raising uh, is the fact that both of those films, Shang-Chi and even more so Venom, 
just beat James Bond at the box office. Now, admittedly, the demographics between James Bond and, like, Venom don't overlap. Um, not entirely. Like, James Bond, even when he's being a cool reboot guy played by uh, Daniel Craig, is still, like, you know, like, appealing to the over 40 crowd, and Venom is definitely aimed towards 13-year-olds. So, demographics yeah. don't overlap. Uh, but... James Bond has been sitting on the shelf for two years waiting to come out of retirement so he can go into retirement. Uh, and, like, he he only, quote-unquote, made $60 million this his current his first weekend, where Venom made, like, I think close to 90 So, it's interesting. Yeah. I, I, I guess I'm the only one that finds it interesting, but it's interesting. <laughs> it's definitely something, Mike. Yeah, well, I... Does it does it speak to people wanting more superheroes over James Bond, or does it speak to the fact that the last couple James Bond movies haven't been that great, and maybe people are just tired of Daniel Craig's James Bond? I I think that's kind of a multi-faceted thing too, because those are like I'm I'm a big James Bond fan, mm -hmm. and I want to see the new one, but mm -hmm. the last one was kind of meh. Yeah, like, Spectre. It was pretty meh. It was pretty, yeah. but it was meh. Yeah. Well, but, how many yeah. times can you see everything you've seen you've uh, that's happened to you in your year life has been connected? And also, I'm the villain who's going to be captured only because it's part of my actual plan. Like exactly, I'm like tired of those that, that story was yeah an idiot. Mm -hmm. But I feel like the last movie had at least a good ending for Daniel Craig's James Bond. Mm -hmm. Although, like, he's one of my favorites because I love Daniel Craig, but I think it was it's past time to pass that torch. Yeah, and yeah. I think in like also in twenty twenty one, I think it's a little too real, you know, like mm. as far as you know, people just want to kind of watch stuff that shuts their brains off a little bit. And yeah, yeah, superheroes are. It's always formulaic. There's no. It might get a little dark, but in the end of the day, we know what the outcome is going to be, right? Yep. So, and yeah. I think that James Bond is, I don't think he's as re relevant with the current generation as superheroes are. Well, it's interesting, even when you factor, like, the ones that come up that are supposed to be more relevant, like Jason Bourne, once they, are, yeah. once they hang around long enough, they're no longer relevant anymore. Like, every agent is a period, uh, 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 like, they're an agent of their own period, basically, and once yeah. they outlive their decade, even... How much do you care? We I like do we need the next James Bond? The exception of Mr. Ethan Hunt by Tom Cruise. Like well, I don't know what how those movies like I love every single Mission Impossible mm -hmm. movie, but I think from I the, have no idea. I would I, and I know we've had this argument before on a previous podcast, but like from number three on, definitely, like once Bad Robot came in as a production partner. Yeah. Those films have definitely, like, consistently been good. And I am looking forward to the next two of them. But I don't look forward to them for their missions. Even though the missions themselves are fine, the missions are kind of incidental to the fact no. that you know that all the stunts you're watching are actually real. No, exactly. It's, yeah. They're fun action flicks. Yeah. It's just weird that Tom Cruise elected not to have, a, like, a Mission Impossible 2. I don't know why I went from 1 to 3 like that. <laughs> I mean, I heard rumors of John Woo coming in to direct one, but uh, it's, it, it just doesn't seem to exist. Yeah, I'll, I'll <laughs> believe it when I see it. Uh, 
on the topic of the next James Bond, though, and before everyone just shouts Idris Elba, uh, who do we think should be the next James Bond? And I ask this because um, there's been a demographic poll that was put out that, st- uh, that asked, who, uh, would you accept, like, a black man as James Bond? And overwhelmingly, by, like, 60%, uh, white males stated no. And it's an interesting one, to, 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 like, because the reason I mentioned this particular poll is that people are using it to gauge other things than just whether or not James Bond should be black uh, and whether or not the viewing public would accept a black James Bond. But because when you ask someone a question about, like, policies and racism and so forth, when they take their polls, they generally lie because they don't want to appear racist to the person asking the questions. But no one views, like, do you think the next James Bond should be black as a racist question? So they actually let their real thoughts fly. So one, do we think a black James Bond would ever actually happen? And two, whether we do or not, who do we think other than Idris Elba should actually be the next James Bond? So I'm a, you know, I love Idris Elba and I Mm -hmm. want him to be James Bond, but I think that time has sailed. Yeah. Yeah, he, he's he, as old as Daniel Craig is. I mean, he made a fantastic app. No, exactly. Yeah. But I honestly don't care whether or not you know James Bond is white or black or whatever. Uh-huh. But I think after watching Get Out and Judas and the Black Messiah, yeah, um, and keeping it British, Daniel, I don't remember how to say his last. It's like Kal- Kaluuya, okay. I think. Mm-hmm. I think he'd be a pretty good James Bond. Hmm. Yeah, he's got the right attitude. I can see that. Yeah, I think because he's suave and he, you know, he can do action films and he has that uh, pretty decent range as far as mm-hmm. acting goes. Yeah, as much so. as I like the idea of introducing like a black James Bond or like a Jane Bond and having them take it, I think they're that one of the producers stated that. They, they want to have stories like that for women, for black men, for whatever other gender or demographic you can come up with. But they said just recasting James Bond into that role doesn't make sense because they should have fresh stories for those people. And while yeah. that could come across as wrong, I think the greater point is that James Bond himself is a specific character. And just taking him and making him someone else seems weird. I think... Like they could they could cast a new James Bond and have him be there, but I would be more interested in like a cinematic universe where like maybe the title of 007 goes to a woman and they play it, but they get to make their own character out of it. Yeah, well, because like I always and I know like the the James Bond universe is convoluted and but weird, but I always felt like James Bond was like. The name just given to 007, kind yeah. of like, yeah, it was easier to accept that when like uh, M remained Judy Dench, but uh, James Bond yeah. was being played by like a new quote unquote character, yeah, and that worked until they introduced a new Blofeld and blew that right out of the water, yeah. That, that's... <laughs> but, but yeah, like, I think like there should be an MI6 universe, maybe uh-huh. bring Daniel Craig back as some sort of an instructor, or even better, he could be the new M, like, why not? Yes. Mm. Yes, but and then have like a new era of agents. Like mm-hmm. you know, they're doing the same thing with Ghostbusters and the or, like. Not to wedge Ghostbusters because you all know all four listeners know. I'm super excited to listen or watch mm-hmm. it. I mean, mm-hmm. but 
It's been getting very good reviews, Mr. Mike. It uh depends on where you go. Well, okay, so I wasn't going to raise those and read. I that don't have negative headlines. Say I that wasn't gonna good. raise. I wasn't gonna raise <laughs> Ghostbusters, but you raised it. So the reviews are out for it, and some fans do like it. I have a problem acknowledging fans on this matter because a lot of fans just have vitriol towards the 2016 Lady Ghostbusters, which I thought, if you remove yourself from the fact that it's not the same Ghostbusters, was actually a pretty good movie. Um, and don't watch the extended cut or director's cut. Yeah, that well, Paul Feige and. He has his own, whatever. Uh, but the thing I have, like that I've been reading, is that if all you want is a nostalgia trip about the Ghostbusters, this movie is great. If you want fresh ideas or like a movie that actually just focuses on the new cast, other than like the one girl, instead of like just trying to play to the old cast and the old ideas, this movie kind of falls apart. And, like, the last half hour of it, and this is without me watching it, and I will see it when it comes to streaming, um, the last half hour of it becomes all nostalgia, basically at the expense of the story and the characters. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, uh, I'm going to get, like, eight COVID booster shots before I go see it in theaters, so... <laughs> I'll just wait for streaming. It's easier at that point. But, yeah, no, I'm, I'm definitely... I'm not... I'm trying not to be down on the Ghostbusters, the new one, Afterlife, that comes out. Like, the first two trailers haven't wowed me at all. The reviews are mixed, in my opinion, but I'm willing to give it a chance. I just... I want something new, I guess, is my problem. And we get so much nostalgia, as we've been talking about all this fucking podcast so far, that it would be nice to have something new, you know? Yeah. And say what you will about the Lady Ghostbusters, that film at least tried to do something different. Yeah, no, I mean, like, I don't mind it. I watched it again, because the first time I watched it was the extended cut. Uh-huh. So I watched it, like, the original theatrical one, and I yeah. enjoyed it a lot more. There you so. go. Yeah. Well, and I'm sure the, I mean, there's a lot of great improv and other stuff, but, yeah, I could see how, with that particular director and his style and everything else, how maybe the, the tighter theatrical cut's a better call for a lot of people, so... Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I think that's the main war of it is it goes between the people who want to stay, you know, the Puritans who want to mm -hmm. stay true to the Ghostbusters mm -hmm. versus the people who want to see something new. And then there's a bunch of people in the middle who, like, I don't know, are kind of willing to give each side a chance, but still, like, oh, hey, politics. Um, but. Uh, so much time. Wee! Yeah, it, it's just, I remember the first time I, I saw the new Ghostbusters trailer, and I was so mad, because so many people were all, like, for this, and I'm like, and I know this is very shallow, but I'm like, oh, you get shit-faced pissed off seeing women in those roles, but you're okay with kids? Mm -hmm. I'm like, I don't want to see these little kid Ghostbusters. Trust but, that on the, the Ghostbusters fan pages that I'm on, they are not okay with that. <laughs> oh, they're not? No. Oh, good. Because I I don't know. Because, I don't know. It's it's the kind of crappy thing, and I, I'm starting to get more and more uh, have less patience with people who crap on various things. Like, having honest little critiques is fine, because you can see good and bad and whatnot, mm -hmm. but, like, just shitting on something to shit on it? I, I'm like, just let people who enjoy it 
enjoy it. You don't have to support it, but you don't have to crap on it either. I just yeah, it's that. That's my soapbox. <laughs> and these same people in the same breath will talk about how much they love Stranger Things too. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! Like, like you, there's no. Uh, I don't even know what to say. Yeah, you're 100 percent right. Honestly, well, like, there's nothing to add. It's yeah. just people suck. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of taking the crap on things, uh, this is just a rumor. And there's a lot of, okay, so there's a lot of Star Wars rumors that go around over the years. And, like, uh, they're going to do a sequel to Ray well, with a race kid, or they're not going to do anything with that sequel universe, and they're going to reboot back to the previous version and do a new uh, new Republic thing or whatever. So every rumor that comes out from Star Wars at this point is hard to actually accept until you actually see something on screen about it. But yeah. the current rumor, quote-unquote, is that, Disney is trying, or has invited, and maybe he's even accepted, George Lucas to come back to do Star Wars. Gross. <laughs> yeah, I, I have mixed feelings about that. I, I want to say, what was it? Like, George Lucas was at his best when he kind of came up with things, but was also kept on a leash. Yeah, he did his best when Lawrence Kasdan worked with him, and the two of them scripted stuff out, and then George just kind of, directed it but let other people do all the actual idea shit yeah, yeah. as long as yeah. he stays away from the director's chair i am okay with it <laughs> <Just> produce <laughs> it come up with some ideas then let someone else script doctor whatever he comes up with exactly like yeah. he's great at world building no yeah. argument there yeah but he needs like he did not pay close enough attention uh at film school if he went mm-hmm. or but thx like, man THX. Yeah, he didn't invent it. He just paid someone else and he, he bought it. He made but the movie. Oh, the film. I thought you were talking about the <laughs> sound. Sorry. Yeah. Whatever. It's fine. All right. Um, yes. Yeah, I yeah, I'm like we've seen what a George Lucas list trilogy gets us. And uh, while I'm not like it's... I'm I, I'm not mad, but I'm not super happy with it either. I'm middle of the road. I'm well, accepting of it, I guess. But The problem I have is that George Lucas didn't really come up with really new ideas for his prequel trilogy. He just wanted to iterate on the characters he'd made in his original trilogy. The issue is is that the who basically became the spearhead for the new trilogy was J.J. Abrams, and J.J. Abrams didn't want to make anything new. He just wanted to iterate on the original characters as well. So, like, it's not that we can't have good Star Wars movies made with or without George Lucas. It's that they need to divorce themselves from the era they're in and trying to just keep the same fucking characters around. We need, like, a new New Republic 200 years after the sequels or go back to the old Republic and explore something going on, like, 3,000 years beforehand. We just, we need a different era. Mm, yeah, I mean, I, I like seeing, you know, the same characters and have new dynamics and new growth and whatever. Um, but they, I don't know, they, they missed some things in my book, I think. But, um, yeah, they. why don't they just talk with the Mandalorian people? Like, you got gold right there. I think I, I want to say they're kind of doing that. There, I think there's so, okay. there are so many sequel trilogies that have been rumored to be proposed because uh, Disney is like apparently throwing everything at the wall to see if something sticks. 
Um, mm-hmm. But whether or not any of those sequel trilogies actually get like pursued is another matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, all right. Anyone got anything else to discuss before we bounce out? I don't know if this is news, but I'm mad at Nintendo. Okay. All right. Why are you mad at Nintendo? Because they keep uh, they're not allocating enough pre-orders for stuff, especially for their amiibo figures and special editions. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Metroid Dread just came out, and the pre-orders for the special edition were bought, closed in within like twenty minutes. Mm. Shimigami Tensei Five, same thing, and it's wow. just making me super frustrated. And the Metroid Dread amiibo was sold out before they any stores could even get them. Oh my god! Jeez, yeah, because isn't that what a pre-order is in? Like, you determine how much you need to make? Yeah. It's supposed to be. Yeah. It's supposed to be, but... That's um, Yeah, they have, like, X amount of units for pre-order, and they... And, like, Best Buy, GameStop, Amazon, Target, Walmart, Meyer, etc. All have online pre-orders, so all these bots will just pre-order them. Before, like, anyone can actually go and do it, and it's... I guess it's, like, not just Nintendo. It's the industry at large, but... Yeah. It's, well, fr- it's, it's the toilet paper scarcity bullshit again. It is. It's yeah. it's chase figures, just like and chase games, just like ruined the comic book industry. This is the re- and, and it's those reasons that people are like, I'm just gonna get digital and not care. Yeah. Yeah. But that was my rant. I'm done. Hashtag right. over. In that case, this has been Not So Life from Asteroid G. I'm Mike Finkelstein. Yeah, Schaefer. And Bex. And we will see you next time.